Welcome, everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource, and joining me is Bill Delgado. Bill's the CFO of Natural Shrimp, Inc. Good morning, Bill. Morning, Jeff. So, Bill, for those that aren't familiar with Natural Shrimp, can you just give us a quick overview of the company? Yeah, so the company was formed in 2001 by three individuals, Bill Williams. Uh, Bill's uh, passed away uh, last year. Uh, Gerald Easterling and Tom Unchemeyer with the goal to raise specifically shrimp indoors. And it seems like a very easy process. And then the industry, there's been hundreds of millions spent on trying to figure out how to do it. They had thought that they had a system, uh, a bioflock system, uh, that they thought was going to be pretty robust and ready to go and, and worked on it for you know approximately 12 or 13 years and realized that although you could grow shrimp, um, and which they did, and they, and they sold shrimp, uh, they had a retail outlet at one point in Dallas, um, that you would never be able to grow enough of it. And uh, you had a commercial, you know, to make a profit. And so that's obviously, you know, you're not going to get into a business unless you can do that. And so in 2014, um, I met the team um, through a group out of New York, and they had raised approximately $25 million, you know, through the, for the system that they were trying to get to work. Um, and they had come up across a new system called EC, which stands for electrocoagulation, Electrocoagulation allows a greater density in the water because bio, the bioflock system only cleans about 70% of the water and leaves about 30% of the effluent in the water. And you have to manage that because if you don't manage it, then, then the whole crop will go. So with EC, you can get about four times the density um, in the same cubic yard of water cubic meter, um, and the reason is is that the system c cleans the water completely and doesn't, and obviously doesn't hurt the shrimp. So basically what's happened since 2014 is the company really has morphed into a biotech aquaculture company where this technology has kind of taken front and center stage, um, and so not only does it have the, uh, the opportunity to obviously grow shrimp, but it also has the ability to grow other species of fish, and it also allows a certain, there's certain tests going on now, trials going on throughout the world um, around some of the things that we're doing with EC and another, and another internal technology we're working with um, where it involves disease remediation in, um, in salmon and tilapia and barramundi. So, Bottom line is, is that we're a biotech aquaculture company, been in business since 2001. We're just about ready to go into production this year, um, and we're very excited about, uh, you know, really kind of uh, debuting our technology out to, uh, you know, out to Wall Street. Okay. So, so first off, why do we want to grow shrimp indoors? So in today's world, um, you know, in, in the, the world of past, you know, obviously shrimp was – was was fished in the you know Gulf of Mexico or um, South America or wherever it was, and that process involved a trawler going out with a net, catching a certain you know a certain amount of the shrimp. Well, once it got on the boat, then it was dipped in a, a tripolyphosphate preservative, 
and flash frozen on the boat, and you know the boat would stay out 20 or 22 days and get you know roughly 50,000 pounds of shrimp. And so that's the traditional way shrimp has been, you know, from back in the days when you know it was first you know fished. So what what's happened now is is that there became a farming system, and the farming system was an outdoor farming system, and it took hold in mostly in Southeast Asia, and today it exists very strongly like in Southeast Asia, um, India, Bangladesh. Uh, in those countries over there. And so it's a very unsanitary process of their their farming system is very unsanitary. They actually use uh, um, shrimp will pretty much eat anything. And so when they do, they'll, um, they can pretty much feed it anything, including potentially feces. And then what they do is they give it some feed with antibiotics in it so that, the, so that they don't die. And so those are the you know, the two ways we get shrimp today. Unfortunately, what's happened in the oceans is that we're, we have an overfishing situation. We have an ocean pollution problem with microplastics. And then we've had this problem with this uh, ex, uh, farmed uh, shrimp coming from Southeast Asia and, and other places. And so now we have this really substandard product and we can't even get enough of it. And... Um, what makes a difference is is that you know in the United States it's really more of a uh, kind of a, a a nicer commodity I guess you could say you know shrimp cocktail and shrimp scampi. In other parts of the country, uh, the world, you know, China, it's a main source of animal protein. And so, um, what we've decided is, or come up with is is that let's see if we can bring it indoors and control the environment and increase the quality. And that's what we've done. Okay. And, and so how big is your addressable market? The market, the, the shrimp market right now um, for both fresh and frozen is about $50 billion worldwide. And about 10% of that is fresh, about 90% of that is frozen. Okay. Is it a stable or grow, or is it a growing market? Well, as you know, it, it, it's, the, it's between, there's a little bit of an argument going on on what's the cheaper um, protein, whether it's fish or it's, or it's shrimp, but uh, they're right there, one and two. And so, as humans grow, you know, the human po- the population of the, wor- of the of the world grows, then the demand for low cost animal protein continues to rise. So, yeah, it's a, it's a growing market, but it it's a you know there's a finite amount of of shrimp in the ocean, for one, and then the farming side is the answer. The key is to get a clean farm so that you have clean, you know, a clean product. Uh-huh. So, yes, the, the market is growing. So, And how about pricing? Has that been stable or what? Oh, it's, uh, it's the craziest thing is that when the, when the group started, fresh shrimp was wholesale price was shrimp was was you know back in 2001 was was about five dollars a pound today it you know it varies anywhere between you know probably around ten or eleven dollars wholesale at the low end and then you know as high as you know fifteen dollars on the on the high end and you know it's really region specific you know in the northeast and you know the New York area 
where there's a high demand for real high quality food. Um, it's obviously a higher price. Um, Areas such as Las Vegas, who has a lot of uh, consumption, in the United States is the highest per capita consumption of shrimp. It's it's a lot lower because they import a lot of that, you know, kind of substandard shrimp, and they use it in their buffets and things like that. So the range really right now is around 10 to as high as 15, which is a is a very good number, but supply is really getting limited now because um, the FDA um, and the USDA are checking a lot more of the imports now and rejecting quite a bit of it because of the, you know, the disease and the antibiotic situation. So, and then the overfishing, you know, it used to be they'd go out for 20 to 20, 22 days and get 50,000 pounds. They can't, they'd be out there for 30 days now and they may not even get half of that. So, Okay. And then how about your input input costs? And I imagine water, electricity, e- easily obtainable or, or price varying? Yeah, the great thing about it is, well, obviously electricity is a variable cost throughout, throughout the world, you know, and, and even throughout the United States. So our, and I, that is one of our biggest costs is electricity because the EC system is electricity-based. Um, and then you have labor, but most of the, the process now is almost very automated. And then you have the price of the of the of the nursery shrimp that we call them post larvae, which is about the size of an eyelash. So you've got that cost, and then feed. You know, so when you add those all together, you know our cost is probably somewhere in the um, you know on an average basis around five around five fifty a pound. Okay, and be a little you like lower, it? you know. There's a, yeah, if there's electricity, you know, a lower price electricity, that's going to drop a little bit. And if there's some a high cost area, it's going to go up a little bit. So yeah. okay, and you liken it to a biotech company. So is there a regulatory body that decides, you know, when and if you can go to market? So each individual, it's a, this is it's a state mandate. So each individual state mandates. Um, right now mandates it. So in Texas, where we have a plant, it's managed by the Texas uh, Wildlife Department, Department of Wildlife. And then up in Iowa, it's managed by their local Department of Agriculture. So each area is different. Now, eventually, I think what will happen is it will all come under, you know, the USDA. Once it begins big enough in the United States, it will come under USDA control. But right now, it's, it's, it's individual states. Okay, and um, are there others growing it uh, indoors? And uh, if so, what's your your edge? Well, the thing is, is that there there are um, there's not a lot in the United States, but there are you know there's outdoor farms which just traditionally just grow it in a big giant ponds and estuaries, and and in addition to the problems with the with the shrimp, they have a problem with you know the estuaries becoming. You know, you know, basically toxic, toxic estuaries with the amount of algae because they don't clean them. But in the United States, there's a there's a handful of players still, you know, growing them. And um, and see, the the key is is that everybody else is using the BioFlock system, which again the company used for you know 13 years, and realized that you can't get to a, a scalability or you know a commercialization. Now, if you were a farmer, say, for example, and there are farmers, there's, there's some in Kansas, there's some up in Wisconsin, and they take a barn 
and they grow they grow shrimp and they sell it at the farmers market. They, you can you can do that all day and be very very profitable. But if you tried to scale it up to supply a a grocery store chain or or somebody like that, it it that system it, it doesn't scale, and so that's part of the problem with it. So so yeah, there's a there's there's a handful of folks out there. There's a handful of folks still trying to get the BioFlock system to work, and we've just kind of passed that up. Um, we believe that anybody that makes a significant investment in BioFlock will probably not make it, um, not because they're bad people or anything, it's just because the system just, just doesn't, isn't commercially viable. And so we're hoping that, you know, when those times come, that we may be able to pick up those assets, you know, fairly reasonable. So. And your system does scale? Yeah, so ours is, 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 is it's a direct linear relationship. So um, what would happen with a, so with a bioflock, what would have to happen is, is that the biofilters would 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 over you would have to have football field after football field after football field of these biofilters if you were going to try and go into production. Ours, the 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 EC system is the size of like you know. Four by four foot by eight, and it runs you know ten or twenty tanks depending on how we have it configured. And so the footprint of it is, and then and then the associated filters that go with it too um, are a little bit bigger. But um, you know, so we can scale on a linear basis, on a one for one basis, where BioFlock would be like on a one for you know as it's scaled up, you got to get it's the the size of the facility or the to get the same amount of shrimp you'd have to you know increase like the real estate by a factor of like 10 so it's it's it becomes an uh, an unattainable situation with bioflock and that's why EC is is going to become the you know the go-to technology Okay. And so do you do this, um, you know, out of one facility or, or is it regional because of shipping costs or, or how does that work? Well, the goal, yeah, the goal is just that you'll end up doing regional centers and, and because you have, you know, the, the, shrimp, the shrimp stays available and fresh um, for about five hours and then, it, and then it lasts for, you know, between, as a fresh product and which is what we're selling lasts between four and five days. Now we're working on some um, technologies, as I discussed before. We have some ad- some bolt-on technologies that are going to, we believe, are going to extend that shelf life to probably 10 or 12 days. And um, but so that you have to have regional regional coverage. Um, and right now we're in Texas and we're up in Iowa. We bought a facility that was actually uh, was using BioFlock and was growing fish. And we were able to pick it. There was about a hundred million dollar investment in the facility. We ended up purchasing it for approximately ten million dollars. So um, we're very happy with that. But you know, as we grow, what I think is going to happen is the big retailers are going to ask for facilities to be built at their distribution centers. So they will take, uh, you know. And these distribution centers will be huge um, because they'll be producing millions of pounds of shrimp. And then the regional centers will supply the distributors and restaurants and the smaller grocery store chains. Okay. Now, you're just kicking off revenue now, is that correct? We'll be in revenue by the end of the year, yes. Okay. And you'll have capacity to do how much revenue? 
Um, we believe that uh, with the with Iowa fully, which won't we won't be fully operational, uh, full capacity until 20, uh, mid to late 2022. But we should be doing, you know, a million and a half to two million pounds per year out of the, those two facilities. Okay. And then how how long does it take to to make product? Um, right now. The shrimp we get them. There we have scheduled in a, the model as a 24-week grow cycle, which grows to 21-25 um, from the size of an eyelash in, in a you know six-month period. We're starting to see some improvements in that, and so we believe. And it's at not at not at the genetic. It's not genetically modified. It's genetic. It's like growing bulls or beef cattle. Um, uh, selective breeding, and uh, we're getting some um, growth rates now that are much, much better than that. But we're we're sticking right now for our 24 week, but we we expect it to get down into the 18 to 20 week cycle. So, okay. And then, who are your initial customers going to be? Well, we're probably going to end up um, with distributors first. Um, because we won't have the capacity to serve some of the bigger retailers. Um, now, that doesn't mean that we're not talking to the bigger retailers because um, we're hoping to get some agreements in place which will allow us to grow into and expand into those bigger retailers. So so for now, I think that it will probably – there's a – the thing about this, Jeff, is that the um, – it, no matter every pound we produce is is spoken for. Um, the product is such high quality in a in a field of very low of low quality food that every I mean every pound that we produce is is going to be sold and taken by somebody. So, but again, it'll start with distributors. It'll move into gourmet home producers. It'll move into the bigger retailers, and then. You know, could even go into the mass, you know, the big box, the big box retailers too. So, and do you have distributors lined up yet? Our team, we've just hired two individuals for our team, and they come from the distribution area of sales. And I'm not a liberty to discuss, but um, we do expect in the next few weeks that we'll be making some announcements in that in that arena. Okay. And then when you open up a new region, what, what's the capex to open up a facility? Um, it, you know, it varies. If you have to, you know, build a building, you know, then you have the building costs and then you have the cost of the equipment. But usually a, a system that produces about 300,000 pounds, we figure a, a non-building situation is somewhere between two and a half to three and a half million. If you have to add a building, you'd add another million dollars to that. But um, that's kind of the base system, you know, is what, what would be a very okay. quick payback on your, on your CapEx and in, in, in our, in our, you know, under our business plan. So, so, so what's the growth strategy? Is it open, is it to open region by region or to license outside the U S or, or what's the growth strategy? There is, you know, that is the two models obviously are, are, you know, do it yourself. Um, and uh, you know, grow through the regional centers. The other way is the licensing model, which would you license it out to the big pro- protein providers. Um, right now, we're just looking at our own internal production 
but the licensing model is there. Um, it, it actually is the licensing model will probably come into play more into the other species because as I discussed before, we're in trials in Norway and in Australia on salmon. And, um, and again, it may not be from the growth side, it may be for disease remediation, but there's, there's a licensing model and, there's a, and then there's a distribution model. And we probably will have both of those, but I can't tell you today whether it'll be a 50-50 deal or the 80-20 or whatever it is, but there'll be a licensing component and there'll be a production component. And there are other products behind shrimp, it sounds like. Yes, yes. And now those definitely will be the li- will will be the, in addition to potential licensing opportunities. Shrimp, those other opportunities more than likely will be. We're we're not planning to grow salmon or tilapia or barramundi or anything like that. So those will lend themselves right just from that business decision. They'll, they'll they will lend themselves to the licensing environment because okay. of that. You know? And the revenue model, it's just you sell it to the distributor and that's a sale or, or or how does that work? Yeah, yeah. So we would we you know, we're not going directly to the retail consumer. We're not opening a we're not planning to open a um you know, any retail facilities, even though again the company did have a retail facility at one time in Dallas back in two thousand I believe two thousand eight. So yeah, it'll be going to the distributors now. The one unique thing that I think has a lot of um because of you know, what's happened with COVID and everything is, is that you now have these firms uh, that have a very, very high-quality food um, that deliver to the home. And I believe that that is going to be a very, very big market for this because the product is so, you know, fresh and so so clean that people want, you know, clean, healthy food, and, and this will meet that requirement. And then how about uh, the gross margins? Well, if, if, you know, I'll let you go and do the math. But if you know, if you're in the five to six dollar range for cost, and then you sell between ten and fifteen, those aren't too bad of margins there. So, um, and you know, I can't tell you how much we're going to sell at ten, and I can't tell you how much we're going to sell at fifteen. It will roll itself out. But um, suffice it to say that the, the margins are pretty, the, the, they're pretty strong. So, okay. And the, the the gating factor for for growth. It's just the um, you know how fast can we can we can we deploy these and bring lay you know train labor and bring them up to speed. I mean we're we're a small company right now. We have about sixteen employees. You know we we would hope that in the next few years that we we could potentially have you know you know, 20 or 30 systems up, but, you know, there may become an opportunity where a big protein provider, you know, comes in and partners with us and 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 they have the, the, the wherewithal to do 300 of these, you know, and, um, you know, Europe's, you know, we're looking at a European expansion, we're looking in Asia, um, and, you know, so it's, it's going to be just a, a kind of a wild ride a little bit, to, you know, because we're we're going to be maxed out in in what we can do here in the United States. So we're going to be looking at the opportunities to obviously deploy as quickly as we can, but you know, maintain the quality of the product and you know the margins and, and margin protection and everything else. So, 
And the driver, is it just um, you have to finish things up, or is it adding more money, or what are some of the, the drivers here? Well, the the thing is, is that I believe now is what what's happened is is that the industry has caught up with the technology, and what I mean by that was, you know, five years ago we didn't have, or we didn't recognize that we had a problem with the imported shrimp. We didn't realize that they were loaded with antibiotics or diseases. Um, it took us time to figure that out. It took us time for us to realize that there's an overfishing problem in the ocean. There's a microplastics problem in the ocean that are causing, you know, the, all of this fish species to go away. You know, China has a, a rolling 600, I don't know if you realize it, they have a rolling 600 fleet boat fleet going around right now South America and just taking as much fish out of the ocean as they can. And now why, and you have to ask the question, why are they in South America? Why aren't they off the coast of China? Well, they've already overfished China, so now they're going in because they need food to feed their people. And hmm. so what's happened is, is that all these outside factors have, you know, we're moving 600 miles an hour towards it and it's moving 600 miles an hour towards that so it's just it's a confluence of what's happened in the environment is really what's driving it now to where it you know it used to be a um, I guess you could say a, a nicety and now it's going to become um, a reality if you want protein uh, animal protein from the sea okay and as we look out over the next year, what are some of the events? Um, I, I guess shipping would be a big one, but what, what are some of the events we should look for? Well, we're going to see, obviously, our, you're going to be looking for distribution agreements. You're going to be looking for, um, you know, there'll be selected cities where the product will become available. Obviously, we're in Texas. We hope to be in Dallas and Houston and San, we're in San Antonio. So hopefully showing up in some grocery stores and restaurants there and then up in the up in Iowa area, you know, um, you've got Minneapolis, Chicago, and Milwaukee that are within, you know, two to three hours away, four hours away. So we would hope that that will be your, your you know, your quickest deal. Um, we're working on a potential facility in Florida. Again, we're looking at acquiring a facility in Europe. So next year you would look at, you know, distribution to those those areas and then, potential expansion in Europe and in, uh, you know, elsewhere in the United States. Okay. Is there anything that uh, I didn't touch on that, that you'd like us to know or anything you want to leave us with? Well, it's just, you know, um, it's, it's a really very unique opportunity when you can produce a product that, again, as I discussed earlier, that, you know, that, you know, it's oversubscribed by a factor of 50. And um, it's, if you do your research and um, and look at you know what's happening in, in our in our world, especially in our oceans, um, you're going to see something there that that this is the front edge of the of what's going to of what the future is. This is the future, and the future is farming. Unfortunately, um, because we just have too many people in the world, and we have to we have to supply protein and. Um, it's going to be a very unique opportunity for us. We're very excited about it. We're excited about, obviously, you know, we're a public company. We're, we're going to be 
driven by profit and loss, but then the ability to provide food for people all over the world that never had access to animal protein is a very exciting thing too. So we're very, you know, those are those are our, our opportunities. Sounds good. Well, Bill, thank you so much for sharing the natural shrimp story. Jeff, thank you again. I look forward to speaking uh, in the near future. Sounds good.